Jason Manford. Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. Hello, it's Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Hope you're very well this morning. Uh, Robin Ince is my guest for the next three hours. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. This worked out. This was a very last minute moments where yesterday I realised next Sunday when this show goes out uh, I'm actually on Sunday brunch on Channel 4 so I was like oh it'd be great if we could pre-record it I hate having a week off who's around boom there you are Robin Ince is in town it's a beautiful thing to know that whenever I do get on the radio it's down to geographical proximity (laughs) not talent I think that is uh, I've realised that there's a certain point where there's no point in having a delusion who's nearest come in come in (laughs) to be fair there were five people on the list, you know, who were don't nearby. Even tell me, I don't I'm not going to tell you who else, but there were five people, and I said, Oh, those two can't do it. <laughs> no, I didn't. You were there, number one. Because we haven't worked together for ages. Do you know what? I think last week uh, uh, I was up in Carlisle, and I remembered that. That's right. I reckon the last time that we were on stage together, we might have done a benefit since then, and it was uh, a benefit gig. Tim Minchin, you, me, God, I can't remember who else. Yeah. And it was it was at the, the Sand Centre in yes. Carlisle. And it was such a weird mix of an audience because some That's of them right. kind of just wanted like proper showbiz and some. And I was right in the middle of doing one of my kind of quirky, weird tours where I was. <laughs> going, oh, I don't know which routine about Charles Darwin's investigation of the Brazilian rainforest will be most effective. But in the end, it was it was a lot. And then, and then I can't remember who it was, but we got dragged to some kind of bar. It was one of those oh, things yeah. that when you do it some towns, like Tenby. Yes. Have you ever played Tenby in Wales? I've not, no. I think I played the Floral Pavilion there about 15 years ago, and it was a lovely gig to do because yeah. just basically everyone who wanted to come out came, came out. Not yeah. to see me, they just wanted to go out. <laughs> yes. And then they go, now you have to go to Every single pub that is on our high street. And then you're kind of shown off by, look what we found. Watched up on the shore. We found there was this comedian. It is weird, that, isn't it? When you, because I go out very rarely when I'm on tour, but occasionally I will sort of have a one. And I don't have an entourage. It's not like I can go, hey guys, let, we're all heading out. It's just me, a tour manager in his 50s, and, you know, and a driver, and, you know, also the same age. So they're both a bit like, we're just going to get back, actually. And I, you know, find myself in a, a drag queen karaoke bar or, a, you know, <laughs> just a curry house that's about to close. And you do find the most fascinating of people. Yeah, I mean, that. I love, I, I think one of the ones, Middlesbrough, I remember playing uh, Middlesbrough and uh, someone just said, do you want to come for And they just took me to this old pub that was just in the middle of a housing yeah. estate. And you get such different images of what, the, yes. I mean, that's, I think, the great thing. And, and because, obviously, my, my scale of touring is a lot smaller than your scale of touring. So quite often I can go to the bar afterwards and have a drink. Yeah. You've, you've got thousands of people, you know. I've, but I've, there's I've, people I've got there, a yeah. Of, you know, as I always say, my core audience is goths, librarians, physics teachers and keen knitters. And uh, <laughs> which is a lovely audience. And, and which, when I was in Wolverhampton, uh, you know, only a little bit north from here, um, at the end of one gig when I talked about what I thought my core audience was, this woman came up to me and said, I am all four of your core demographic. <laughs> and said, in the interval, I made a Venn diagram to demonstrate that I said you're all five of my core demographic now and I just look, you know, I love that kind of you know that possibility that, though there's a little bit of me that does look at you and go oh it would be nice to yeah. not be as worried about sales in Grantham yeah but, but I don't ever stop worrying about sales in Grantham like this I still worry yeah. I still worry about the the, the, the sales at gigs I don't think that ever goes away I think once you've sort of played to four people you know at a gig mm. that you thought was going to sell 50 even that fear just never leaves you, never yeah. leaves you. And even sometimes in the gigs where I'm looking at, like last night I was in Dudley, you know, it's about 1,200 seats, and yet third row I'm looking at six empty seats. I'm like, where are they? Where are those people? Maybe they've just forgotten. Maybe they'll tweet later on, so yeah. I can't believe it, Jason, we forgot. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No, no, I'm sure they must have said. <laughs> 
In fact, when I played Middlesbrough, I can't remember the name of the theatre. It was one of those theatres that even the cab drivers didn't know where it was. So I thought oh, this is not good. But then I arrived there. And but it they're wasn't... not in your core demographic anyway, cab no, drivers. No, but they're, they're, hopefully then, you know, Middlesbrough's not as if they go, well, it's really, apart from Broadway and London's West End, it's probably got the most theatres <laughs> in, in the UK, you know, in the, in the world. And uh, But the lovely thing when I arrived was I thought, oh, it's not sold that well. But they went, oh, you've sold twice as many as Nicholas Parsons. And I thought, do you know what? <laughs> oh, I'll take Tonight, that. I'd take that trophy. Yeah, and then on Middlesbrough Station the next morning, three different people come up to me and go, what are you doing in Middlesbrough? And you think, yes, this is enough people to go, something went wrong there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was in Taunton recently. Have you had the famous Middlesbrough snack? No. You've not had a Parmo? No. Oh, I'm, I'm a Robin. vegetarian. Would this get in the way of it? Yeah, I don't think there's a vegan Parmo or a veggie Parmo out there. Yeah, you probably won't have. It's essentially, I can't even describe it. It was like a chicken thing, a uh, breaded chicken thing. There's like a, a sauce on top. Someone will, I mean, someone will me- message, I'm sure, later on on Twitter. Don't text him, by the way, because we're not live. But they will uh, t- tweet me and tell me what it is. I think there's like a, is it Betchamel sauce? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it's called? I always get mixed up between that and the, um, what's that test where, the TV test where you see if two women are talking about a man. Oh, I don't know about that. Do you know that. about this? No. Oh, look at this. We're, this we're learning stuff. I think it's called... The Bechdel test. Oh, after Alison Bechdel, is it? Yes, is it there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And essentially, it's like if you're watching TV and there's two female characters, if they talk about a man, then they that programme fails the test. Right. But if they're talking okay. about something else, then that's... I think, that is after, I think that's after the well, cartoonist, Alison yeah. Bechdel. But I do get... But, so yeah, anyway, so it's sauce. covered in a... That was a kind of yolky, creamy sauce, yeah. isn't it? It's sort of one of those things that you eat once and then like six weeks later, you're burping going, what's... Oh, that's still there. So it's like a Jaeger bomb. Because <laughs> I'd never so. had a Jaeger bomb. Right. And then one night I was doing a gig, and, and again, my very, <laughs> you know, genteel and whimsical audience, and I suddenly just mentioned the fact that, you know, I'd never had a Jaeger bomb. And they turned, they suddenly went, You've got to have a Jaeger, Jaeger bomb, Jaeger oh, no. bomb. And someone went to the bar, and then they got me one, and I went, Okay, and that, yeah, drop the little glass. Oh, okay. So the glass goes, that's the one yeah, with the glass and then in drop the it in, and red then, then yeah. And then I drank it, and exactly the same thing. Seven <laughs> days later, you're going, yeah. It's like there used to be a, a pub in, in, in Soho in London called Garlic and Shots, and Everything was garlic. You know, downstairs were various kind of statues of vampires and horror movie posts. Upstairs, you would have a pint of beer that just had crushed garlic in it, loads wow. of crushed garlic. And I remember drinking a lot of that and then five days later doing warm-up for a TV show yeah. and, and being quite far off the audience and just a bloke at the front going, have you had garlic? And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh God. This is... no, one's get, no one's pulling at that pub. No. No one's no one's. Or maybe they off. all are because they've they've they all made smell like a living level playing field, you know, <laughs> yeah, of, of so. garlickiness. I guess so. This is Jason Manford. This is Hello, it's Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. I'm not live this week. I pre-recorded the show uh, last week in Birmingham, so do not text in. But uh, feel free to get in touch on Twitter. I'm at Jason Manford. The show's at Absolute Radio. And Robin Ince, I presume he's at Robin Ince. Yeah. Nice and easy. Yeah. You've not gone for any, you know, the real Robin Ince or Mr. No. Robin Ince. And I don't even know, I don't even have blue tick or anything like that because no. someone said, why don't, because everyone seems to have one now. And, I, and I, I said, I quite like the fact that I I still don't know who I am. So it's quite <laughs> nice that there's an uncertainty for anyone who goes, <laughs> yeah. is, is that the real one? The you blue... see people with like 12 followers. Yeah. And, and you go, oh, that is the real Jeff Joseph's. Great. Yeah. The, the, the blue Joseph's? tick is a weird thing because I've noticed. Someone trolled me a few weeks back, and uh, I can't remember what it was about, but they were being rude and you know being obnoxious as you can imagine. 
And I I sort of went back and said something, you know, replied, which I know you're not supposed to do, but you just you can't help it it's sometimes. It's that moment of weakness, yes. Yes, and I replied, and obviously that made his day. And I think I actually said that. I said, oh, I realise this is going to make your day, <laughs> but here's my reply. And he said, oh, here they are, the entitled blue tickers. And I thought, oh, Am I part of an elite? Yeah. I didn't realise there was like the haves and the have-nots yes, of you Twitter. Yeah, you Jeff Josephs. Yeah, you are the, the Jeff Josephs. Blue yeah. I didn't realise the blue tickers well, was I'm like sorry, a... Jeff Josephs, because I don't know who Jeff Josephs is. And <laughs> He's got a blue he tick. might not have a blue tick, but I'm sure there is a Jeff Josephs. It's a weird world, Twitter, isn't it? You were quite an early adopter, yeah. weren't you? Same. And, you know, Stephen Fry was on there. Not... Wasn't it a laugh? Do you remember that, when it was that, a laugh? That's the interesting thing. I mean, I now deliberately, I, I put up almost nothing negative anymore. Yes. I don't put up anything political because as the idea going, maybe my 280 characters will actually be very persuasive over this particular <laughs> issue. Yeah. You know, it's not. It, it, it's a system in terms of political engagement which is built for people being more certain. It's not. Yes. So I, I generally just go, I've just heard a record by someone who's brilliant. You, you know, listen to Idols. Idols are absolutely amazing. Uh, oh, I've just read a book that's really amazing. Right, so try and keep doing it positive. I'm coming to your town. And, and I try as much as possible. I mean, that, in fact, sorry, it sounds like it's a crowbar, but it's not. No, no, the, yeah. the reason that the, the, the tour that I'm doing is called Chaos of Delight, and it came from the fact that I went, oh, there's just so much monetizing and elevation of kind of spite and venality mm. and, 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 and brutality. You know, these people that we see on Question Time, etc., that are put there just to make yeah. sure it trends. And so I, I thought, I'm going to try and write yeah. a show that it's just two hours ago. Here's another thing that I thought was brilliant, and here's something well, else that good. I think is delightful. Well, that's positive. And it makes you be... Because it means that for for two hours a night, Mm. I can't do... Because, you know, I've done grumpy shows and I do a show with my mate Michael Legg uh, called Pointless Anger, Righteous Ire, which is quite an insane show where we (laughs) ask people what they're angry about and uh, and then we decide if it's Pointless Anger or Righteous Ire and a lot of it is kind of screaming and shouting and stupid (laughs) songs. But I I thought if I do a show that's happy, then that means I am for two hours. And then for the two hours afterwards. Mm. It's like there's, you know, psychological uh, experiments we've done which have shown that even if you fake a smile... Yes. Eventually, it has some it effect on yeah, your I've mood. Heard that. Yeah, and and I find that that so so that's kind of that, that. And sometimes you get people coming up because a lot of people they're walking in from a situation where they're going, oh, I don't know if I can deal with life anymore. This is. And if you jump up and around and go, here's the thing about supernovas, and here's the thing about marshmallows, and here's the thing that I did with my son when we built a den, and we had so much fun. Yeah. And and then you go and chat to them, and, and they don't go, well, that annoyed me. You yeah. are de vivre. That is very much the opposite of what we should be doing. I think, mm. like, we're, we're supposed to cheer people up and have, and have yeah. a nice time, rather than coming away thinking, I, I think less of the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen that. Although there is there is a there is a sort of freedom in in a in a bit of anger occasionally, getting annoyed at something, but it's easy to get swept up in it i got i posted on twitter as soon as i did it i thought i'm just gonna double check this and it was i don't know if you saw in the paper last week you i'm sure you did there was a the headline i mean real clickbait i got sucked in like everybody else manchester students union uh, bands clapping Oh, do you know what? I don't read newspapers okay. anymore. Well, I, it, but I have. I just kept seeing these kind of what I presumed were absurdist haikus about yes. you know the Zen nature of clapping, and now I realise yes. no, it was some kind of. Uh, so the Manchester Student Union that was the he just said bands clapping, and of course Piers Morgan waded in first. All these ridiculous snowflake students, and and I so I posted like this. I think I even put students, yeah, like in a sort of you know just a just I was trying to keep it light. And then a couple of tweets or posts later, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. No, I don't. Let, I should probably read the story. I didn't read the story. I just saw the headline. I got sucked in like everybody else. The story, when you first hear it, you do go, ah, come on. 
Yeah. What are you banning clapping for? Then when you read it, uh, they say that they, they hadn't banned it at all their events. Like, so if there's, there's a comedy night on or a music night on, you can still clap. Like, no one's kicking up about that. It was at their, the discussions that the student union have on various things. So there's no clapping there. And it was because, uh, what they were saying was that, uh, there's certain people, um, who suffer anxiety and certain people, obviously British Sign Language, uh, uses like a jazz hands rather, rather. And they were saying, why don't we put that in place instead? Because, there's some people not coming to these events because sudden noises scare them. And and, and, and I thought, well, yeah, fair enough. Like How much is it going to ruin your day? Do you know what? I'd have had a lovely day if I could have just clapped that particular speech. But it's really, and <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, the sign language thing. I, I, we did a, the, the, the radio show I do with Brian Cox, Infinite Monkey Cage. We had a guest raven on one week and it was a brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant radio. The raven did tricks and we explained them <laughs> on the radio. I love and it. And the raven gave such a look to Brian Cox as well because the raven, of course, has even shinier. An actual you know, the raven. The plumage is, is, is shinier and more yes. delightful. than. I mean, I'm not saying it's more delightful. Sorry, that sounds tarantula. No, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'll edit that out. But the, uh, you can never hear that truth. So obviously the applause because you, the Raven, you have to we yeah. use British Sign Language, uh, and it was and it was lovely. And yeah. it actually had something more delightful. It had something more delightful, and I think it meant more when. People yeah, heard it. I kind of like the sound of it. I, I mean, no, I don't. There's no sound, yeah. but I quite, I quite like the idea of it. I guess. Um, and actually, you know, I just thought to myself, I'll, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try not to fall for that again. That sort of clickbait you know, headline that immediately makes you go, what? Well, it's like the stories where, because I think research was done that a lot of newspapers, people only read the headline right. and maybe the first paragraph. So when you skim through, yeah. and the number of stories, I remember one years and years ago about uh, there was, uh, I think it was a crematorium somewhere in Devon and uh, there wasn't going to be a cross there anymore. There was no cross anymore. They'd removed the cross because otherwise oh, yes. something to do, and they'd made up the, some religious group or whatever Classic. called this and there was no. And then basically at the end, it, it kind of said, and finally the story's not true. Um, um, because it turns yeah. out there is a cross. It's just that it's one that can be folded away if necessary. <laughs> a folding cross, it's against all the... No, 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 there's nothing that doesn't remove... You know, yeah. you can check it. I've done it on vampires. A folding cross is as effective Still works. as all other oh, that's good. You know, crucifixes. So that's it's fine. good to know. But, and, you know, conquer, well, all the different things you go is banned. And yes. then it reads that. The, head, the headmaster said, oh, oh, the headmaster said the thing which means that most of the story is not exactly true. Yeah, I just can't get. I no. can't be bothered. There's so much to be enraged about that I think choose your yeah. choose what you really think. How much is this changing my life? How much is sometimes changing some of the prepositions that I might use? How much do I feel that oh my free speech has been stolen <laughs> yeah. from me? I feel like the phrase um, "let's agree to disagree" could maybe be brought back. Yeah, that was a great phrase. It basically meant, I think I'm right, I think you're wrong, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's all right, That's yeah, it? fine. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> that used to be a great phrase. Get out of everything. But now nobody will say that. No, everyone just will have something to say every single time. This is... Jason Manford. This is... I've got to say, I actually, even though we're recording this a week ago in Birmingham at four in the afternoon, I am still tired. Yeah. Usually. That, isn't that pre-gig tiredness? Aren't you at that little thing bit. where you suddenly go, I don't think I've got it tonight. I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah, gig. we always You just it, hit right? that little lull and then just before you go on, you yeah. think I won't be able to do it. Then you see the people and you start showing off, won't I you? D- <laughs> I didn't it's very. If only people knew how tiring showing off was. <laughs> That's like when, when you were, uh, you know, when people do go, it's, it's a tough thing though, isn't it? You go, really? Is it's it? got the actual bit of dancing about. 
yeah. is a is not the, that's the, the, fu- the travel that's is the annoying. That's travel-y. the bit where you go. Fair enough. I'll, the, the, the the travel can yeah. be quite annoying. That bus replacement service, you know, yeah. between Hereford yeah. and Crick Howell or whatever it might have been. Um, but <laughs> that moment of going, they're there, and I'm dancing up yeah, and down. This is the fun bit. Yeah, absolutely. That's not a, that's not being at work at all. It, it's everything else around it. That's that's the work. Yeah. I well, I didn't sleep well either because I had a. I came into. I was in Dudley last night, in Coventry tonight, and I got back. To, I got to the hotel in um, in Birmingham last night, staying at nice, you know, nice enough hotel, a Hyatt hotel there in the centre of Birmingham, and stayed there before. I had a bit of an altercation last time I got there, one o'clock in the morning. I've got this thing, Robin. I mean, you're a svelte man. You you look like you look after yourself, but I say to my tour manager, in I go, can you make sure that there's the mini bar is empty? And there's no snacks in the room. You know, right, sometimes the yeah, mini bar. Yeah. I say, I just can't have those things in the room, you know? So I always do that in advance. And um, sometimes they I think, like the fact you have an anti-rider. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. what do you want to make sure there is not in your dressing room? <laughs> I don't Please want any make of that. sure there's no orange Smarties. None of those. No Smarties. <laughs> yeah, no Smarties But in particular, no orange Smarties. <laughs> so that's the, rule, that's the sort of rule that we have. So I get, the guy shows me up to the room and we get in there. There was a, a fridge full of, you know, soft drinks and uh, Coca-Colas in there and uh, the, the the alcohol. And then on the side, there was a load of snacks, your Mars bars and your Twix and your dairy milks. So I said to this guy, and there was a slight language, you know, problem between us, both my accent and his accent between us. We weren't really understanding each other. And I'm saying, uh, I said, oh, do you mind taking these snacks with you? And he, he was going, uh, it's okay, sir, they're for you. I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I just don't want them. Yeah, that's okay. He said, just don't eat them. I said, yeah, that's not the issue. Because <laughs> I said, I will eat them. He's like, that's fine. They're for you. I was like, no, no, but I don't want to eat them. Well, don't eat them. There was a good 10 yeah. minutes of this Basil Faulty-esque argument. Yeah, he had no sense of your tremendous yes. mental weakness. Yeah, you? essentially, I'm like, um, you know, in, in werewolf films, when the guy knows he's going to become a werewolf, so he's yeah. like, look, lock the doors. Even if I ask to come out, don't let me out. Like, I'm that, but with Mars bars. <laughs> like, don't, I don't need those things. I will eat them. So anyway, I got there last night. Got into the hotel and um, I, I get into the, the room and it's all oh, fine. I get into bed and I watch a bit of telly. There's just a big Swiss man there making fondue. This is getting worse. <laughs> this is He's not going to go well. a in the middle of the cauldron as well. <laughs> no, it gets worse. It gets worse. There's a fight in the next room. Oh. Like they're kicking off. There's things being thrown and people they are screaming at each other. And I'm like, oh, crikey. Like, what do you do here? So anyway, I sort of had, I thought, I bet I'll just, I'll just knock on. I don't know why I said that. I thought I could have just rang down, but I thought I'll just knock on. Hopefully the idea that they've disturbed somebody will make them both go, ooh, awkward. They were drunk, you know. And so anyway, I've just had a little uh, knock on. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I've gone back into my room. The door is open and this girl has like just flown out and she's just on the floor, like crying on the floor and and the door slammed. This guy slammed the door and I'm like, oh, God, I'm just in me, I'm in me, ga- in me dressing gown. I'm not. I'm not ready for this. And I've it's said, more of a kimono, really. Isn't it? Yes, exactly. I said, are you, I'm like, are you okay? What? Everything all right? She's like, oh, we just, I've just been out and drunk, and you know, we're having a fight. And I said, well, I said, it, that doesn't sound like that's going to be fixed. I was like, you know, do you need? Do you, why don't you go down to reception and speak to them? And you know, anyway, in, in the end, I ended up like escorting this girl down to reception. And I said, I explained what had gone on. And they were like, yeah, that's okay. Well, why don't you stay in another room? That'll be 300 quid. She was like, well, I can't. I said, I can't. it's one o'clock in the morning. You're not going to sell it now. Just put her in a blooming room, you know. Anyway, they did. They put her in a room. It was fine. And so that was that was half two, three o'clock in the end by the time that was sort of sorted. And 
she was like, that's it, it's over. I was like, no, I think, well, and I'm like giving advice. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, nobody should talk to you like that, treat you like that. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know what's going I didn't even hear anything, but I'm going, no one, you know, no one deserves to be talked to like that. And I'm, I think you're quite right. And she so was. It's like um, one of those special episodes of like Coronation Street or East yeah. Village where it's just for the whole half hour, just two of you in one shot. Brilliant. Yeah. And I, and she's telling me about, you know, I came all the way over from such and such a place to see him and this is how he treats me. I said, well, nobody, nobody deserves that. I'm giving it, you know, the full. Anyway, next morning at breakfast, I'm sat there with Jason Donovan, and that's another issue. Um, <laughs> oh, he just throws them out. <laughs> they glide, they don't clang. It's beautiful. <laughs> he just happened to be at the hotel and we saw each other. Oh, oh, let's have breakfast. Anyway, that's a side issue. I was I was telling Jason Donovan the story of why I was kept up late uh, last night as the couple came to breakfast, as if nothing had happened. Mm. All fine. I was livid. I was livid. I almost went over to. I wanted to just go over and go. We agreed that you were going to leave him. Yeah, like kind of like you suddenly looking like Father Brown and the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the worst one I had, it was, no, I had worse ones, but this is this goes out in the morning, um, so I can't tell you that one about that hotel in Newbury, and uh, all three of them were furious. But it was uh, the, there was a, a budget hotel in Hull where I arrived. You know when you arrive in some place and you go, yes. oh, this is not going to be not because this the hotel really itself, well. really nice people there. I like Hull a lot as well. Yeah, and I just it's a bit like when sometimes you turn up at a hotel and then you hear all the blokes who turned up for the stag night and each. <sighs> You just has to keep going. It's only three in the afternoon. Yeah. What's in your room? What's in your room? What's in your room? Oh, you've got a kettle. I've got a kettle. What's in your room? Oh, you've got... Yes. You know, that thing that... Uh, yeah. um, but this one was the next door room. There was you know, The smoke was almost coming out from under the door. You could hear him shouting. You could hear the rattle of bottles. It's only still only four in the afternoon. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God. And, and then I'm just starting to walk to the gig. It's the fruit market in Hull. And uh, and the woman from reception's walking up. And you can see she's got that face. And she actually says to me, go, go on to room 32. And it's like, you know, and I, I went, oh, we got a little smart. And then I heard she knocked on the door. And the door opened. And you, just the smell of smoke just poured out. And she goes, you do know that it's a no smirking room. There's no, no, there's no smirking in, in any of the hotel. Uh, and she goes, I'm not smirking. And she had a real problem. Oh, she goes, well, well, it does smell very much. You know, oh. She's trying to be. You obviously are. Yeah. It does smell very much like you are smoking. And then she kind of stopped this woman. And there was a bit of pause. goes, oh, no, that's the chicken that I'm eating. And then just wow. slammed the door shut. And then I went to, when I got back, I went, <laughs> I'm in um, number 33. And the bloke went, oh, yeah, there's a couple. I went, yes. And uh, he said, well, I'll tell you what, if it does kick off at all, we'll change Let's do that now, actually. Yeah. yeah not it's, if. it's one of those. It's going to. Yeah. Not smirking. What? The chicken. Yeah. I thought it was like that moment in the Terminator. Customer's you know, always goes, right. What shall the reply be? And he came up with, <laughs> smells like cigarettes, chicken. Jeez Louise. People. That's I all know. I want on tour. All I want in a hotel is I, I want it to be clean and I want it to be quiet. That's, that's, that's it. all. That's, that's it. The where be- you go, the basics. you walk into them and you go, what's the noise yeah. that I'm going to hear? What's the little Edgar Allan Poe story that's in the corner? <sighs> the strange click, tick, click, tick, tick, <laughs> when tick. You've, when you've got to start putting quiet and clean on your rider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going wrong. Uh, stick around. Uh, we'll be back after the news on Absolute Radio. Chaos of Delight, stand-up tours all, all over the place, Colchester, Reading, Twickenham. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. The, 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 is that the, the new the venue in there? Is, yeah, there's a new, new venue in Twickenham. And then I've I'm got a, I've, in fact, I've and, seen your poster yeah. there because I've got uh, my friend Steve Edge, who, who does the show, he lives there as well. And uh, and in that new venue, we have a Manford's Comedy Club. 
So oh, do you? Uh, yeah, do you? it's a good, ve- it's a really nice venue actually. You'll, you'll enjoy that. It's that weird thing at the moment though, because that almost is the, the, the only week that sounds logical for most of it. Apart yeah, I was like, oh, that's done Saturday well. Saturday in Bath, Sunday in Harrogate by one o'clock. Yeah. Now, Bath <laughs> yeah. to Harrogate on public transport and getting there by one in the afternoon is going to be an interesting uh, little thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. the weirdest week I've got is probably Edinburgh, Toronto, Folkestone. That looks wow. good on the tour T-shirt. That's a mix. 26 hours in. Someone went, but Toronto, that's a long way to go. I'm going off to do a gig with, I, I do gigs sometimes with Chris Hadfield, the, the astronaut, and it's like, mm. you can't turn that down. Do you want to do a gig with an astronaut? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you'll find I do. So how, and, how's this all come about then? Because obviously you've done the Brian Cox stuff. What, what, well, how I, did you get into that side of entertainment? It was about 15, 16 years ago, I think. I did a stand-up show that had some science in it, and, and then I thought, oh, I really want to, because it helps me work out scientific ideas. If you've got to try and write a joke about something, you have to get some level of understanding, yeah. not a deep understanding. Mm. So it was like, and, I, and then I started doing these shows which mixed up lots of different people. And I would have like a bluegrass band over there, and a comedian over there, a ventriloquist over there, and a particle <laughs> physicist over there. And then that right. led to me working with Brian Cox. And, okay. You know, we, we're on over a hundred episodes now, The Infinite Monkey Cage. And and then because I do those things, people will just say, "Well, basically, Chris Hadfield, he did. We we do this show at Hammersmith Apollo, mm. uh, where we never say who's on. It's just like Brian and me. Right. And we have lots of guests, and we we've had one year." Yeah, we opened with public service broadcasting. We closed with Duran Duran, and you know, and that bit where, and we actually had Chris Hadfield introducing. He'd been doing a book signing in Brighton. I said, "Do you want to get a cab? We'll pay for it and uh, come and introduce the band." And there's only about ten minutes space for him to do it. And we said, "All you need to do is just keep." Towards the end of the interview, we say, "So, Chris, can you explain what it's like as an astronaut to see planet Earth from afar?" And he goes, "I don't really know if you're going to explain the planet Earth, planet Earth." And he just had to keep saying "planet Earth" basically. (laughs) And behind the curtain, Duran Duran are building up, and you can hear the opening. Bars of planet Earth, and then suddenly the curtains lift. Bow, 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 bow. And what was great though, because we have quite a young audience, and because yeah. we never said Duran Duran, is some of the younger people were going, I wonder who planet Earth are. Now it turns out <laughs> planet Earth are apparently one of the leading Duran Duran tribute acts. Ah. So some people think they've seen a really brilliant Duran Duran tribute yeah. act. But yeah, so we did a, wow. we do, do a lot of these shows. Fun. We've had New Order, we've had The Cure, it's been, it's been, been fat. And we've got it's a, funny, we've got a very the... good secret band this year as well. Oh, exciting. And when's that day? That's the 1st of December. And it, it, it's all, it all goes soon. Again. Yeah, and it's all right. it's, it's a charity gig, so uh, you yeah. know it's it's everyone just volunteers to do it, mm. and we have some really you know brilliant uh, and very very exciting people who do it. But it's, and, um, it's, I mean, it's amazing the stuff now that you can go and see. There was a very much a point that you would uh, that you would watch a an, a traditional entertainer, either a comedian or a singer, or, like that was what you went to see. Mm. And now you can go and see scientists having selling out the Apollo chefs. I've noticed. Yeah, chefs now are doing live cooking shows in front of thousands of people. A it, chef, like the science thing. When I did the last Brian Cox, and we, we mm. did a tour that ended last May. Yeah, and you know to end at Wembley Arena, <laughs> and amazing. you know which is not the kind of place you'd expect someone like me. You know, I'm quite niche to end up. You know, and obviously it's not. I know Brian's the draw. You know, so yeah. Brian goes on and he starts off with you know good evening, welcome to the evening of astronomy and cosmology, and and there's this <laughs> audience of like kind of eight and nine year olds and ninety year olds, and there's just oh just such a fantastic mix, and people are sending parents are sending pictures of their daughters and their sons 
going, look at them. And they, they just, while they're watching a show in Wembley Arena with their exercise books out, making notes, making notes. That's amazing. And then I come on and uh, there's a bit where I'd stand on this plinth. And they something... put their exercise books down. Yeah, they're, they're suddenly <laughs> you there. Yeah, we won't need to take any notes <laughs> here. Be fine. That's what I'm there for. I'm genuinely <laughs> yeah. there for every 25 minutes. You can hear the audience go, ow, ow, I can't understand this physics anymore. Will someone <laughs> stop him? And I, the first time I did it, I came on, suddenly stood on this plinth that no one knew would rise. It went really high, rise up, and I would start to talk, just do this impersonation of Brian Blessed when we had him on the show. So I'm standing when we're reading just going, I want to go to Mars! Why can't we go to Mars? Tell me, Brian, why aren't we on Mars? Right? And I, and it's just like, and all the time in my head I'm going, this is real! Wow. This is what I, you know, and, 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 and the fun, and we, we actually had him on the 100th show recently, which was really yeah. great because obviously, you know, Brian Blessed is now in his early 80s, mm. and sometimes he's a little bit quieter, like a dormant volcano, but he'll then explode. <laughs> he's still got so it. So there was this beautiful moment where Neil deGrasse Tyson is explaining gravitational waves, and then suddenly Brian Blessed just goes, I'm the best actor in the world. Come on, Danny Dyer. I'll take you on. And it's just, and then he goes quiet again. And it, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But yeah, I mean, that, that, that you're right. It, it's fascinating to know what, you because basically Brian taught is really, a lot of it is a lecture on physics and cosmology and understanding the universe. He's- Where real music matters. I've got to say, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed, Robin, here. I'm, I'm just reading this. It says, you know, the book's called I'm a Joke and So Are You, a comedian's take on what makes us human. Uh, featuring interviews with Sophie Hagen, Tim Minchin, Paul Chowdhury, Josie Long, Nina Conti, Noel Fielding, Jason Cook, Lenny Henry, Ricky Gervais, Joe Brand and Felicity Ward. Is there anyone missing from busy. there? You were really busy. I mean, you say that. Stuart Lee, though, he's even more annoyed because he actually wrote the foreword to the book and that meant he read the book and found that I didn't use any of his, in- his interviews. So that's... Uh, he went, oh, it's very interesting that, you know, Robin, even though I did a very long interview with him, didn't use any of that, but uses loads of Ricky Gervais. So the, uh, he, he takes me up on so that. So what's Ricky got to say about stand-up comedy? Well, each... I mean, the thing is, the, the, the book is actually... It, it is predominantly... The idea is it's a springboard into... Because comics, so much of the life story of comics is mm. used, you know, like these special creatures, comics, something happened in their childhood, yes. they weren't happy and they grew... You know, it's, it's like a friend of mine who knew Kenneth Williams. You know, Kenneth Williams, every year, there's a new documentary where they go, Kenneth Williams, of course, made the whole of Britain laugh, but he himself was very sad. Yes. And my mate told me this great story where he said, people say, you know, oh, Kenneth Williams, of course, he wouldn't allow anyone to use his toilet. He said, that's rubbish. Kenneth, uh, he said, oh, I used Kenneth's toilet on numerous occasions. He only <laughs> wouldn't allow people to use the toilet if he thought, I'm getting bored of them, I want them to get out of the house. So they go, Kenneth, can I just go to the toilet? No, no, I'm afraid, no, you can't use the toilet, no. You'll have to go, uh, you'll have to go outside. And then he'd lock the door and pretend to be asleep when they came back. But it's, um, so the idea yes. is really more that... Uh, each chapter, there's you know, there's, there's one about our creation myths, birth, what, why we've become who we've become, mm-hmm. nature, nurture. You know, I talked to geneticists and wow. uh, and I talked to therapists and psychologists, and I'm trying to use. If you look at the comedian's life story, and then in fact, if you feed back on that, it's about all the things of us being human. It's yeah. about you know, so so you know, from birth to death different things which you take the comedian's anecdote so with Ricky he's in the chapter about ethics because I personally you know I've I've worked with him for years and there's things that I wouldn't want to say on stage that he does say on stage things that I personally would not feel comfortable (laughs) defending that's my thing so I I spoke to in that chapter in particular I spoke to Josie Long and I also spoke to to Ricky and Tim Minchin and a friend of mine Barry Crimmins who who was a great American comic who sadly when I was writing the final draft of this book actually died Mm. and uh, each one of them had 
something very well Tim Minchin thinks very deeply you know yes, about when he's imagine, writing yeah. his songs and some of his songs are uh, again could not be played on daytime there's a Quite, pope song yeah. The Pope song, which I remember, which is is uh, it's it's got a lot of expletives in it. Well, it hasn't. It's got one over and over again. And uh, and I remember him playing it. We were weird enough doing a karaoke night in a former gentleman's toilet in Shepherd's Bush. You right. may well know the place. Yes, I know it. I know it. Yes. <laughs> and, in the green there, yeah. And he said, I've written this song, listen to it, right? And he, and he played me his version, and he was yeah. like, I don't think I can ever play that live. And then about three weeks later, I said, Look, I'm doing a gig at the Bloomsbury Theatre, do you want to come and play that song? And so he <laughs> talks about, you know, when he makes the decision of sometimes, can he make some of his songs personal when he's attacking mm. people? And more often than not, he tries not to make it about an individual, but he right. sometimes has. Um, and and then Barry had some, you know, he himself, he, there's an amazing documentary about him called Call Me Lucky, and... Uh, he fought a lot of his life for the bullied and people who, mm. you know, and and uh, and his thoughts on why when he would make a decision of what he would want to say on stage and how comfortable he would be defending it. Yeah. I think that's a very important thing because sometimes you you know you I you know many comics we've gone on stage and we've said something that has offended someone. Yeah, of and course. sometimes you've come off and when they've taken you to task, you think, do you know what? Actually, yeah, that joke isn't funny enough. Yes. To have caused that offence. And yeah. other times you think, no, I'm going to stand by this one. And you, even though you don't come to a point of agreement, you nevertheless go, I still feel I was I content yeah. to say yeah. this comes from a, an ethical standpoint. So so with Ricky, yeah, it was kind of, we, we had a long conversation that about that. That is interesting. I'd like And of to, course yeah. he thinks a lot, his last tour, the, 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 the humanity. humanity, you know, that a lot of his that show was him arguing about why he wanted to say those things and, mm. and, and the importance of it. So so all, all three okay. of them in that chapter had a lot, a lot to say on it. That sounds good. Well, I was, that sounds right up my street. Is it an is it an in book? Like, is it a book of, like, it'll be interesting to me because I'm a comedian? I, or if you're a plumber, you know, in Sunderland, you're like, oh, oh that might be I, interesting. I, I, I hope, from what, right, the people who've read it so far, because I've done, it's only just come out, but I did a couple of weeks of, of kind of shows. I think it's quite broad. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, I was glad to find out that uh, Ian Lee's son, who's seven years old, saw it on the back seat of the car and just went, I'm a joke and so are you. That's the funniest title ever. I don't think he's read the rest of the book, but nevertheless, he's, you know, he's <laughs> been lured we'll in. Take it. But yeah, it, it, it's meant to be, it, it's very, I talked to a very broad group of people yes. about these ideas. And, you know, I would like to talk Not to on your book tour, though. You very much talk to the same sorts of people. Yeah. Durham, Manchester Science Festival, Brighton, Islington, Canterbury, Chipping Norton. Yeah. And Sidmouth. And Sidmouth. That's Sidmouth not on me, but Sidmouth as well. Yeah, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Are they going to be different people each time? Oh, there's literally 100 people who say, read the book again. It's like, it's like the New Model Army, great band New Model Army, used to basically have uh, fans that would go to almost every gig. They would just tour with them. And that, Brilliant. you know, Stuart Lee said that in the past. If you can, you know, find, I'm not sure we have said that, but, you know, if you can find 200 people who come to every one of your gigs, that works very well. That'll do me, yeah. I have a lovely, there's a guy called, called Mick from... Uh, um, uh, Leeds and he came, he came to my I think my last tour twelve times. Wow! I said you, I said I'll comp you. You don't have to come to you know. <laughs> yes. and, and he went no, I like coming and it's I always had, something different. I had, <laughs> I had um I had a woman come to my gig. Her and her mum came to my my gig, and she came so many times that I would start to recognise them at stage door. Her and her mum, and she would get a photo every single time, and it'd be me in the middle, and her on the left, and the mum on the right. And she came to, I would say, over 25 shows on a maybe 300-date tour. This was First World Problems, the one I did a few years ago. And at the end of the she came to the very last night at Manchester Arena, and she came to the show, and afterwards she waited at the gate at stage door, and she said, oh, I've got a gift for you. And I said, oh, thanks very much. And she gave me, I don't know when I was ever going to use this, God bless her, but she gave me a uh, photo album 
of all our photos together, me and the mum and the, and, and her. And I noticed that because, like, I fluctuate in weight. Like, there's about a stone and a half, two stone, that over about a year, a year and a half, I'll be the, at the, the, the upper limit and the lower limit various times. And there was this weird flip book effect where... Her and her mum <laughs> were identical all the way through, just different outfits. And I was like this nutty professor character, just getting fatter and thinner as ah, we flicked That was after the... the night I stayed at the Hyatt. He wouldn't hide the Snickers, <laughs> and then I was full, so full. God, I love those Snickers. Sunday mornings, 8 till 11. Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. But there was a moment where... Me and Brian actually crossed on uh, on Twitter, and um, I really felt vindicated. There was a real moment when Brian agrees with something that you've said. You suddenly go, "Well, he's he said it." I've been peer reviewed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even though it was out of his jurisdiction, it wasn't about science, <laughs> but just the fact that it was uh, it was him. Um, he agreed with me that it is very much breakfast, dinner, and tea. And there was just something about that that just made me feel better. Because I talk about it in my tour at the moment. The amount of time, oh, it's lunch, mate, it's lunch. I get a lot of that going on. My kids, you know, the amount of times my kids are like, Daddy, it's not It's not dinner, it's lunch. Dinner's not for another five hours. I'm like, well, you can wait then. How about that? Because I'm making dinner. Uh, but it was those, just... Those are olden rules, as he has. You know, they're, they're, they're traditional something about it. rules that he still has. And... I find, as I go around the country, I mention it in a lot of places. It's a weird, I can't find the rule. It's not a north-south thing. No, it's not. You're it's right. not a working it, class, it, middle class thing. No. I don't know what I don't know what the rule is. See, my Can't wife hates out. supper. She oh, hates supper because goodness. supper. I, I suppose yeah. in her mind that's an image in a Victorian novel where yeah. uh, we won't have dinner if if you count dinner as being you know, yes, yeah. So we put the silver cutlery away. Let's just sit in the kitchen and have a piece of mutton, yes. a piece of mutton and some dripping and some bread. So yeah. she sees that. So if I ever say supper, she's like, no, that's the one that gets her supper. For me, when I think of supper, I think. Once a fortnight at your grandparents, half a crumpet in front of Strike It Lucky. Like, that's the first thing that pops into my head. See, when that's, I think a, that's a generational thing because, of yeah. course, I would be watching the wrestling. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, older you than go. you, and it would have been the crumpet <laughs> and the wrestling. Oh, the Prussian rushes, I think, of those things. <laughs> Jason Manford. Absolute radio. We're real music. Matters. I wrote a poem about um, oh, go on. when my uh, back on Father's Day, mm. near where my dad lives, there's big, big woods with a footpath through it, and my son and I had had built a, a den there back in October, and we used to go back and build. You know, one of those lovely moments where you go, "This is proper moment. This is a proper yeah, moment yeah, yeah. of being a parent." We're building a den like you would in Winnie <laughs> the Pooh or whatever, and uh, and so we built this den, and we kept going back, and we built a little bit more of that den, and then we went back on Father's Day, and we went, "Oh, where's that? It's there, isn't it?" And it had just all been taken down. Right, and I had that moment of thinking. Thinking, oh, he's ten years old. How many more of these yes. things are we going to have? Yeah. And I went back home and I just wrote this little thing, which is, uh, if you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You can cut it. Please out tell me. Just, yeah, no, I'd um, love to. Uh, and it was just thinking about the passing of time and making sure you enjoy it most. Which is, um, you don't need a storyteller now. Your bedtime is almost autonomous, but still one snuggly hug for safety from the Sandman. Is today the day? Is this our final den? We grabbed the sticks and rolled the logs and made jokes about those passing walkers with those weird-shaped dogs. And you found our furniture a worn and mossy tyre. And I warned you of all the dangers of that leaf-hidden, rusty, rusty barbed wire. And then, damp bottoms we sat and viewed our architectural feet. I phone-filmed your pride for the archives of things we have done, the woodland adventures of father and son. Sometimes, walking hand in hand, 
I secretly mourn for the days that are not yet gone, those days that seem like a shepherd sketch for an A.A. Milne where every beach is a post-war postcard, the blue, too blue, in my recall. Your freedom is necessity, but not yet. Not yet. Let's, let's pond dip for skaters with a net. Let's, let's build another sofa train, a kick around, a Lego piece found by my bare foot. Let's <laughs> read Calvin and Hobbes. Let's, let's, let's read Peanuts. Let's dig and splash and play and mime laser deaths in outer space. Let's race. And then I'll let you go and kick the twigs alone. But not yet. One more day. Oh my and it was one of those things where I just yeah get that moment oh. and, and I, I don't in, in the tour I, I, every yeah. now and again I just when I came back to stand up there was, I just thought I wonder if I can I just, and I know it's I'm not a poet I don't know you know but mm. it's like I just wanted to find yeah. it and every now and again you find a way of going I had to express it because yes. I just thought that moment no of, I think you're, I think that's a lo- that's a lovely sentiment and I think there is those moments where you know you cap- that you talked about there where. I remember holding my held my son's hand every day, you know, going to school. And then one day he saw a couple of his friends and he just let go of my hand. And like he didn't see it by my entire I was like, I think I might cry. Like there was a real moment of like, that that's gonna be finished now. You know, there's yeah, those it's moments. Not when they don't, you know, you you're not needed for the stories. Yeah, they might read yeah. you a little bit of yes. Tom Gates. Yeah. Uh or, or or you know, what's yeah. he called? Who's that brilliant Andy Stanton, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gum. Mm. Oh, Mr. Gum's fantastic. But you know, <laughs> but but they they'll be in charge of the reading now. Yeah. And it's such a quick thing. Yes. One moment it is, you know, just that kind of see John run, and then the next moment they're on horrible Henry, and then they're going, It's time to read the nine hundred pages or whatever. <laughs> Is of Harry yes, Potter. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's remarkable. And there are, and also then you feel because there was definitely moments when it was time to read them a story that you were like, oh god, I've got to go and read that story now, like that I've done every night because you're tired or whatever. And then you think, oh, those, I, I feel bad about those moments now. I could, I should have. I should have been hundred percent there. About you know? Social media, yeah. That bit where you argue on social media, and when your kids saying, "Dad, I've just built a huge um, Lego spaceship," and yeah. you go, "Not now." Yeah. I'm arguing with a stranger who might be <laughs> fictional about the fact that the Earth isn't flat, and then you go, <laughs> yes. "Hang on a minute, what am I thinking of? I've got to." Yeah, yeah let's yeah. go and look at this Lego. Well, that's what I have to do when I go. So I'm, when I'm on tour, I download the apps back onto my phone, and then when I finish on the on the Sunday after I finish the radio on the Sunday, I have to delete them all off for the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday while I'm while I'm around with the kids. And even sort of, you know, after school, because I know it's so easy just to pick it up and be lost suddenly yeah. in just a rabbit warren of stories and, and tweets and actually life's going on around you and you're missing it. And oh, like you said, the, the thing about the, I, I had that moment with my daughter where we were, uh, we were having, it was Christmas time last year and I, and she was eight and I thought, crikey, we've only got about five more of these, yeah. you know, properly like this. You know, where and suddenly it's you know she's sixteen, seventeen, she just wants money all of a sudden, and oh god. There was a nice thing when <laughs> when when I played Liverpool uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, and I I, I decided I'd, I'd do the poem that night, and I was doing a little signing afterwards, and uh, this young guy, twenty year old, came up with his mum, and he just said, uh, just so you know, don't worry, the adventures don't stop. They change a bit, and somewhere, <laughs> oh, we still do loads of things together, and that's that's what yeah, I'm that's lucky true, about. And yeah. I'm sure you you have it too. Yes, which is. Uh, in my audience, very often there's there's kids who brought their parents and parents who brought their kids. Yes, and it's quite a nice thing to go that yeah. they all kind of yeah we can all go and see. This. Yeah, we can enjoy this. Yeah. Yes, I must say I'm looking forward to that. The other day, my because my son's six and I and he's well into his Spider Man and he's you know uh, and those sort of things. And I thought I wonder if he's ready for X Men. Like I wonder if we're able to step up. 
to to that. And uh, I watched it was him and his older sister, who's nine. I said, "Let's watch this," and we watched it. And she very much, after sort of ten minutes, was like, "Oh, is that Hugh Jackman from The Greatest Showman?" Yeah, yeah. She was in just because he's from The Greatest Showman, and he absolutely loved it. And it just suddenly, I was like, "He went, is there any more like this?" I was like, "Mate." There's millions. This oh. has opened up a new world. We can watch all these now instead of Paw Patrol and Peppa Pig. That could go. Yeah, that's a great moment oh. when you go. I'm not nearly as bored going to the cinema now. Yes, but there's uh, you, the trouble with comic books. Though is you have to be very careful with the actual books themselves mm. because about oh just over a month ago, uh, we're, I, I quite often buy comic books for my son and just leave them mm. around. And I bought a thing called The Ultimates by Mark Miller, and I didn't check the contents. Ah. And I left it for him. Then I rang him up that night and I said, "Did you get the book?" And he went, and his first words were. <laughs> Dad, it was not appropriate. Oh. I thought, what an amazing you know, ten-year-old who's actually ten. Yeah, when I was ten, I'd have gone. Oh, they don't know. Keep Mum this. and Dad had bought me something inappropriate, but he grasped no. me up immediately. Dad, it was not appropriate. <laughs> we had a little look. No, thank you. This is Jason Manford. This is Absolute Radio. Music matters. I've no idea how this show is going to edit into a radio show. <laughs> I'll make a cracking podcast, but I'm not a clue how it's going to work. How short do we, have, have I been doing answers too long? The rule is, well, it's not really a rule. They say the link should be three minutes. Oh, three that's not going minutes. well at all then, has it? No, I don't know how that's going to work. Oh. But you know what? It's not our problem, mate. No. I just send this off. Somebody in London edits it. And uh, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll both make the edit when it comes to the actual show next Sunday. We were talking about uh, things that you still consider new. Before we went into a sort of melancholy oh, yeah, yeah. moments of delightful melancholy, though. <laughs> it was lovely actually. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people will be feeling the same. But actually, it's hard. Though. I think hard, one of the hard things about things being new is because then they disappear so quickly as well. Mm. So once you have like MySpace, I remember MySpace. I remember doing the MySpace bus at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and you MySpace, get MySpace yeah. badges, and every night there'd be a MySpace gig, and by the end of the next year. MySpace was, you know, you might as well have said Friends Reunited. You know, it's just, it's gone. It's yes. gone. People here, you know, uh, Caroline says Disneyland Paris. Always think of it as the new one. It was open in 1992. Uh, take that the first time around. I mean, they've been around about six times now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just about to go on tour again. 28 years, take that, have been around. Madstock, the Madness Reunion, you know, and it's mm. a reunion when, in fact, it was only about four years after they'd split up. So they've been back for 28 <laughs> years, but there was three years. And it was like, oh, I can't believe it. They're back, Madstock, you know, creating an earthquake. Because, you know, there, there, was yeah. a, there were actual tremors in North. That, that doesn't feel like that. No. <laughs> um, Laura Rob- Robinson, a weird moment yesterday where my nine-year-old was playing Kylie, Can't Get You Out of My Head, and it hit me that song is 17 years old. What I like is like the personal ones, like Victoria Yates. I describe where I used to live as the new estate behind the spa shop. Then I realised it was new in 1987. <laughs> That's how long it's been new for. It just gets into your head, I think. You know, yeah, I think generally with me, the things that I'm quite surprised how old they are are mayonnaise. You know that bit you take out of the fridge and you go... That's been off for seven years. Why didn't we remove it? <laughs> so the speed of uh, the, the sell-by date whooshes yeah. past you. The, uh, the the two pound coins come up a few times. Uh, people still shocked about that. <laughs> shocked, shocked to find out it was nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, Starburst. I don't know. I I feel like I was born around the time, or I certainly was buying sweets around the time that Opal Fruits was a was the new. No, Starburst is a new one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we talked about Snickers. You, I mean, you, you won't barely remember Marathon. Marathon. Really. That's, that's, you, you're, you're the Snickers generation. That's what very much the yeah, Snickers yeah. generation. Bethany can't believe people born in 2001 are able to drive. You're only one year old. Get back in your cot and drink your milk. 
Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> that thing when you find out how old someone is in your audience and you go, oh, my, that, yes. that is the, the, the diff. And, and you look and you think, this is, everyone here is, yeah, the, the students, there are students now who were born this century. Yes. This new, this brown, ah, oh, it's 1999, it's about to be 2000. Oh, the firework wasn't very good. Never mind. Hooray. I feel We're like in the future. I feel like 2000 to 2010 just didn't happen. Like, I very much, when I think back to nine years ago, I think that was about the millennium. Like, I feel like there was a good decade there. I don't know what was going on. I didn't do drugs. I'm not, a, I wasn't a big drinker. Like, 10 years just, what happened? Was that when you started, when you started stand up? I started stand up in 99. Did you? Yeah. Well, 98, actually. So, you know, 20 years this year. But I seem like a new comic to you. See, I think, I'm, I would feel the same about the 90s. So I think that would be right. Because Maybe I'm, that's I'm it then. 10 years older than you. And I yeah. think that's the bit where kind of things were going on. And then Isn't now I I've, I've, I remember when I worked out, oh, this is what I want to do. Yes, maybe that's what it is. Samantha Watts agrees with you. She says, bands like Oasis, Pulp and Osha Coliseum hit in the charts. All new bands to her. It was last century. (laughs) It's like when I was growing up and they still happened, there would be the Golden Oldies Roadshow. Freddie and the Dreamers, not all original members, Jerry and the Pacemakers, (laughs) and it would be like... And now... It's Ned's Atomic Dustbin, and it's the Wonder Stuff, and it's the Wedding Present, and they are the same thing. It's yeah. the golden oldie, oh. late eighties NME toy, yes. you know, bands that have the single of the week, and yeah. that's and you go to those gigs and you sit and you think this is the same. This is the same as the fifty-year-olds who were going to revel in, you know, the Mersey Beat and all of that kind yeah, of stuff. Of course, yeah. now reveling in the uh, kind of you know the Leeds and uh, Stabridge scene. <laughs> I love it. Jason. Manford. Absolute radio. Where real music matters. Have you got a website? Is it just Robin Yeah, it's just robinitz.com. Or you can go easy. to, I've got one called cosmicshambles.com, which there includes all the stuff that I do with people like Josie Long. And uh, I, I do a, a podcast all about books. And we just did one, we just did one with Alan Moore. Uh, of, oh, wow. You know, Watchmen V. Yeah. And, and Barney Farmer. And if you don't know who Barney Farmer no. is, Barney Farmer is, uh, if you read Viz, he does things like uh, The Mail Online, Whoops Isle Apocalypse, and The Drunken Bakers, which is one of the greatest oh, yes. cartoon strips okay. of all time. I one of the that. most lurid, melancholy things of two drunks trying to make a Battenberg. I love And it was a beautiful Alan Moore and, the, and a guy from Viz. I love Barney that. Farmer, yeah. That's brilliant. Viz is a, it, it's still brilliant. <laughs> I still love Viz. And, and I think, you know, people like... Uh, Lee Farley and Barney Farmer, who who do all of these, uh, yeah, the brilliant yeah. strips. God, I used to read Viz all the time. It was hilarious. You go back to it. Uh, maybe it's I will. Really, really good now. Maybe I will. I saw that. That was that sort of sort of gone out of my head. Viz as a thing growing up. Yeah, I'm, I will it's do. still rude when you buy it. Mm. W. H. Smith and the little light on the thing goes boo boo. Someone's buying something which is for adults. It's like, <laughs> and, and I reckon I. If it was pornography, I think they'd... But when I buy it, the, like, the one woman in, in, in WH Smith went, oh, my husband used to read that, but I told him to stop. When it's cartoons, <laughs> the stuff up on that shelf, right, which is, this is just some guy sitting in a shed with a bit of Indian ink, doing a little bit of drawing, yeah. cut and pasting. You know, Brian Cox is in it quite a lot. I love they gave away some free fridge magnets in, in the last issue. And he just had a picture of Brian going, no one knows how magnets work, but they do. And just, in fact, I believe he's genuinely written the foreword to the most recent Profanosaurus. Oh, brilliant. Oh, good. I will get back into that. I must, I'm, I'm going to pick that up for sure. Uh, we're here in Birmingham. 
Of course. Are you, uh, you have an affinity with Birmingham? You've, you've been I love there a lot. Birmingham. Yeah. I, I, I play here a lot and I really... Uh, I it's love nice the when op- it's finished though, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's the trouble. Is Again, <sighs> things that change too quickly. Yeah. It's every time I come back, I go, that's not the same street. And that, but, I mean, it took <laughs> me half an hour to find this studio. As you know, yes, uh, we were frankly, uh, it was expletive-laden uh, was phone lot. messages it was. eventually. Yeah, there was. This square didn't even exist before. This What's is all brand on? new. We're we're at free radio today. But uh, I love what I love about Birmingham is I, I think is that because quite it's one of those areas of the UK mm. which I think is belittled a lot and people kind of yes. mock it. And what I think is delightful is that leads to a really wonderful different form of uh, sense of humour. And I think that's so yeah. I've, I've always found playing to audiences and going out drinking with them afterwards. There's, yeah. there's just this kind of we know everyone takes the Mickey. Yes. So we're pretty. We're fine with our skin. Yeah, you know we can fit in this. Skin. Yeah, I've always had good times right through from playing the Glee Birmingham right through to the arena. But like they're just a great audience all the way through. They do, they get it and they join in and they and they can they can poke fun at themselves, which is always handy. Uh, uh, I don't know if you read this. This is in, this is in the paper today. A Birmingham pizza boss has been a victim of fake news. Uh, he's had to go public following a smear campaign to assure customers I don't use cat or dog food on my toppings. Caspian Pizza, which has 25 branches across the city and the West Midlands, says it has now reported the unfounded allegations to the police. An anonymous Facebook post had claimed uh, that Mr Ahmet, the supposed owner, uh, had been convicted in court for mixing cheap cat and dog food into chicken to save costs. But Saeed Mazuri, uh, a director of Caspian Pizza, said it is fake news. If you hear about something like this, you have to report it. Everyone knows it, but the authorities have confirmed that we have done nothing wrong. The council's health team cleared us they're gonna give us a certificate like an actual certificate say <laughs> there is no cat food used in these and now pizzas. we just have to say eight out of ten pizza lovers yeah so that's the <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely don't use that phrase the, uh, there's a guy again uh barley <laughs> farmer one of their cartoons in visits called hen cabin and it's about you know what that that chicken shop that's open later than all the others in fact it's <laughs> only open it, it, it opens when all the others close <laughs> Well, they sound quite pretty. I'd never heard of Caspian pizzas. Uh, he says he, he thought it was a joke at first. Of course, we don't use uh, cat and dog food meat. The rumours are threatening to our customers. We have 25 branches. We're a big company. You absolutely are. I agree with that. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of people at 11, 12 o'clock at night who would be a bit like, yeah, I'm kind of fine. As long as there's some melted cheese on it. See, that shows your age as well. 11 or 12. These Is that young not late? people, no. Do you know what? You, it's so true. My brother's just started university. My youngest brother, he's just started Liverpool Uni. And the other day, he messaged me to say, "Can I get?" It was like half eleven. And I was, I was in, I'd been in bed for forty-five minutes, and he said, "Can you get me an Uber?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure." I said, "Are you where are you heading back home?" He went, "No, we're going out." It was half eleven on a on a Wednesday. I was like, how? I can't even imagine what that must be like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I was ever that guy. Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. You'll have seen Robert. You're sort of you've just been around a lot. I think. I think a lot of people have seen. If you've seen Ricky, for example, on tour, yeah, you supported him. And the strange uh, short film that was made about the experience of, of, yeah. of touring, where he buried me on beaches and stuff. Yeah, which what? is a really weird thing because that was about 14 years ago, probably now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's another Thought one. Of it was those two things. years ago. And uh, <laughs> and they made a short film. I was support actor Ricky Vase on on uh, it was politics and then then the fame tour. Hmm. And uh, he'd go, "I want to bury you on the beach. I want to bury you on the beach." Right. And then I'd find myself just be buried on the beach. 
just to keep him quiet for a little bit. And then people are watching and they go, what I don't really understand, though, is why did you say yes? And I said, but the bit that's cut out is the previous month with him going, do it, do it. I want you to do it. I went, like a kind of a, a clownish version of Ben Kingsley's character in, in Sexy Beast. Right, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> and so weird. after a month, I'd just go, yeah. oh, bury me on the beach for a while and it'll keep you quiet for two hours. So it just looks like I'm a far more compliant than I actually yes. was. I See, I can't imagine Ricky Gervais being annoying. <laughs> I don't think any of us can but I, it's some of those bits like when I used to watch it because it was before I'd met you or knew mm. you as well there was definitely moments where I was thinking is he being bullied like it it, it, like... it would be agony and there was, <laughs> yeah. what was lovely was everyone else right all the rest of the tour team joined in except there was one lad who just went I don't like it I find it's too oh, really? weird it's too weird and and I still see him he sometimes does the show at Hammersmith and yes. I think he's been on uh, some of the tours that I've done with Brian as well and I always think Thank you very much. In that moment of Lord of the Flies, <laughs> yes. you rose above the other, you know, island tribe. <laughs> uh, and you still see Ricky then? You still... Yeah, I still, do, I yeah. still do his podcast every now and again. Oh, yeah. I still, you know, like I said, you know, interviewed him for the book and stuff like that. So we, we, we remain friends because mm. some people think, oh, is there some big falling out? Oh, but I I, And then they go, why did you stop touring then? I went, you just said you saw the 20-minute film. I'm sure it's... A, but <laughs> it I mean, one of the main reasons that I stopped was because... I, I hadn't realised quite how famous he was. Yeah. And when I realised that by being his support act, if I did another one, that becomes the definition. And it yeah. also, it's a long time. Yeah. You know, 120 dates being spent. It meant that I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't write books. I couldn't do my science mm. shows. All of those things. Yeah, of course. So I had to make a decision. Pretty good swapping mates, though, isn't it? Yeah. Ricky Gervais to Brian Cox. You've, I mean, you've you've stepped up there. I don't know where I'm going to end up if, if with this intellectual ladder that I'm climbing. <laughs> just going to be support, supporting the Pope. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be amazing. Uh, well, talking of intellectuals, crikey, poor Moonpig. You know the um, the card makers, mm. Moonpig. Moonpig have begged customers to stop uploading photos of their genitals. People oh. are sending cards to people. Happy anniversary. Here's oh. me plums. Oh, I don't like that. I mean, that's for a golden right. wedding anniversary. That's not going to be. Uh... No, thank you. No. What's most disappointing is Rebecca, uh, who's our um, uh, our producer here in Birmingham. I've not. I didn't even know she was there for two hours. She's not laughed once. <laughs> and for some, some t- soon as I said this, do you know little, what I think she was little thinking millennial about the ruby giggle. anniversary? That's what she was imagining the ruby anniversary card. The story goes: the personalised card company has pleaded with customers to stop trying to get their private areas commemorated in card format. They actually posted. Please stop uploading pics of your genitals to our cards. It is against our T's and C's. Well, we all know what that will stand for. Uh, a spokesman said, uh, there is a limit uh, to those moon pig moments. If you're that desperate to send a pic of your genitals greeting card, you'll have to do it the old-fashioned way, by printing the photo out yourself and gluing it on with Pritt sticks. Although, don't do that because that would be weird. This is the official <laughs> statement. The company's terms and conditions say they won't accept any material that is pornographic, obscene, indecent or offensive. The company told Metro that uh, Valentine's Day sees a massive rise, that is not the phrase you should be using, <laughs> in the number of dirty cards submitted, with at least 20 a day having to be denied. I mean, who is, who is going this Also, Valentine's way? card, I don't like, because aren't they sent anonymously? So that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Who's this guy? And then, or maybe, you know, and then perhaps your partner does open. He goes, oh, that's, oh, who is that? <laughs> Gary? It was, oh. 
It was also it's, also it's cold in February. That's not the time to be doing it. We'll produce anywhere between 100,000 to 200,000 cards a day, and at least two or three of those might infringe our terms. We have one guy who's particularly good at spotting them, although a couple occasions slip through the cracks. I mean, these keep doing the jokes for us. Wow, that is... And yes, he, he adds, and yes, girls are as bad as boys. Isn't that horrible, though? Because there must be moments occasionally they go... Is that genitalia? And the person yeah. doesn't realise that whatever they've sent in is that a is chicken? such a vague representation <laughs> of what it's meant to, you know, this kind of magic eye picture that yes. keeps staring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is someone sending a picture of giblets? Oh, hang <laughs> on a minute. Where real music matters. Just coming to the end of the show here on Absolute with Robin Ince, who's been with us uh, throughout the morning. The podcast will be up uh, pretty much straight away after the show uh, with uh, lots of extra bits and bobs of chats that we, we had in between uh, chats, essentially. Uh, but, chats um, within chats, chats within chats. <laughs> that's it. That's what the show should be called. Uh, and uh, Sarah Champion is up next after 11 o'clock. You can see Robin Ince, you can see him on his actual uh, tour, his stand-up comedy tour, but he's also doing a book tour. Do you when you do your book tour uh, for so his book's called I'm a joke and so are you. Um, when you do a book tour, do you know if anyone's going to be there? No, I mean most of the ones I've done so far are festivals, so generally oh, okay. it's so okay. people there. But there are those moments where you realise some of the bookshops because yeah. that's one of the things that I do is I think because there's so much. I wanted to make sure I did loads of independent bookshops. Yes, because even you know there's a, a, another there's a kind of corporate world of books, and I, and I think yeah. I love bookshops. I don't want to live in a world where when I turn up to a town, I go I'm five hours before the gig. What I'm going to do? What do you mean there's no bookshop anymore? That yes. was my fault. Um, yes. and but most of them are so well organised now, mm. and so they've you know they've started a little cake stall and all that kind of, and you do. <laughs> Um, so, but I, I do know there will be one time when I turn well, up. Well, let me tell you I, about my one time. Oh, did you have one? <laughs> so when my book came out, Brung Up Proper in 2011, I think, um, and I, I loved writing it, you know, I really enjoyed it. Like yourself, you know, there's there's a moment where you think, oh, God, I'm never going to get there, but it, I, I really enjoyed writing it. And it was, I'm really proud of it. And uh, they've booked us on this tour. I mean, I'm at Waterstones, Glasgow, I'm, you know, I'm WH Smith in, in Birmingham, all these places. And I thought, oh, this is, and I don't know, there's no like tickets. There's not a ticket. It's not like a gig mm. where you know, you can see how many it's selling, whether to plug it or not. You just like, people will turn up and queue, hopefully. And we had one in Liverpool where we got about 150 people and that was like, wow, that's a lot of people. And I was late for that one. I got stuck in the traf- in traffic. So I ended up buying everybody a, a cup of coffee and a donut. So it actually cost me money because you don't get paid for your book tour. And um, and then I got to, they, they said, Derby Asda. Uh, the Asda in Derby. They sell books there and they'd like you to come and do one there. So I said, oh yeah, fine, whatever. Rocked up. They've got the snake queue out you know the, the the little roping bit and there's nobody in it and it's like 10 and it's supposed to start at half 10 i'm like okay and nobody to a point where even the staff were like had to like get in the queue for me just as sort of oh. and i i signed about six of them <laughs> and, then, and then i went off and that was my and there was, but at least and, it was a practical place at least you think well at least i can do a, do a shop well, yeah, there so was that. I think that. that's the, you know, yeah. there's other places. You might have gone to some kind of, you know, island off, you know, somewhere off, off, the, off, yes. off Britain 
and arrived there and no one's interested. And <laughs> yes. uh, But, yeah, I'm waiting. I think the lowest one I had, I remember doing one that literally someone went, oh, why don't you just come to the Truro bookshop um, just in lunchtime because you're there in the evening. And, yeah. and I turned up. And, of course, no. Well, Nobody. Well, yeah, uh, Middle of the day. Th- th- three people who were coming to my gig that night decided they'd buy the book there. And then <laughs> and someone had bought me a uh, – they'd found a book, uh, a fantastic book from the early 70s. It was when I was doing a show called Bad Book Club where I'd talk about kind of books about giant killer crabs from the 1970s. And he'd found this book called How to Undo a Maiden, a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those ones for you know future playboys of the early 1970s. Brilliant. I did. Uh, did you do you know um, David Sedaris? Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. He who, t- who collects litter around where he lit. Oh, he's an amazing. He's man. a great guy. Yeah. Very funny, and his books are fantastic. He. I went to see him do a talk, and he told a, a story once of. Um, it was getting to a point on his book tour where it was taking so long. 300 people would come to the, some of these gigs, uh, some of these book tours, where it would literally he would just sign up. He's just sat there signing books. There's no talk. There's no, he's not reading from it. They're just queuing up. It's taking him two hours to sign, shake hands, f- selfie, you know, all that. And he said he got to a point where he just said, you know what, the next one, I'm, re- I'm not feeling well. Can we just put a little sign up that just says, David Sedaris will not be taking any photos so there's no there's no selfies you take a photo if you want but so just so they so he got there this little water stones and there's a sign up um he's got all these books you know piled up and the, and they've written a sign uh david sadaris will uh please do not ask david sadaris for a photo and there's there's, there's a photo, i think the, the sheet there and then nobody came Nobody was there. It was just something had happened. Yeah. There was a, a obviously a, a mismanagement. Nobody turned up, and he said he was just sat there with a sign saying "No photos, please." <laughs> yeah, with nobody there. Heartbreaking moment. So hopefully that won't happen to you uh, on your I, book I love tour. that line. Billy Connolly on his on his most recent stand up thing where he said he doesn't mind people taking selfies. He said, but but don't take too long because eventually if you take too long, it looks like I've asked you to do it. And I thought that was a beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, I think Billy Connolly. Is it Noel Gallagher says he spends thirty percent of his life waiting for people to work out how to use their phones? I love that moment when when yeah. a parent when their when their teenage child is in science once again and, and they go, "Mum, do it!" and and hurry up! And, and you filmed it. You've just filmed us standing still. I wonder how many videos there are of people posing for photos. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a Joker and So Are You is out now. Yeah, you it's just get... come out and it's uh, and I'm off to... Uh, I can't remember which ones are the book and which ones are the, uh, um, the stand-up I can ones tell now, you. I'm the like book Sidmouth tour... and Twickenham and Bath. Yeah, the book and tour Harrogate is uh, Octo- from October 14th. Durham, Manchester Science Festival, Brighton, uh, Islington, Canterbury, Crystal Palace, Chipping Norton. Uh, and I imagine you can find out uh, all those details yeah, uh, on the robinins.com as well. Thanks for coming in. Thanks very much for having me. Hope your gig goes well tonight. It's You've... so fascinating to hear the edit of this when it's actually the radio version because... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like, I, I just imagine old tuning in there go when Russell Kane sitting in for Jason. Hang on a minute. <laughs> the whole thing was irretrievable. <laughs> yeah, good luck, editor. Uh, I will see you uh, next week, hopefully. Um, or, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know where I am. Uh, I'm on Sunday brunch now. Uh, I am. Oh, in fact, I'll tell you what I'm doing next week. Um, I am at uh, the Royal Albert Hall in uh, Guys and Dolls. So uh, if you fancy oh, coming to great. see that, please, uh, please come along. Music matters.